Father, we bless you and we praise you that tonight we're found in your house. And we pray indeed that you will illuminate your word to every part in this place. Lord, that it may be you seen and not me seen, and that your word will bring forth and confirm with signs and wonders following. Because we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. My text tonight is 1 John 4, verses 16 to 19. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now we're not talking tonight about the love of a husband for a wife or the love of a grandparent for a grandchild or the wishy-washy love we sometimes see on our television screen that parades as entertainment. We're talking of a deep, deep love. The love that God has for us. I remember when I first got saved I had very few Christian friends, but the few Christian friends I did have took me to a place on Earl Road called the Agape. I hadn't got the faintest what Agape meant, but it was a, but as far as I was concerned, it was a coffee house where Christians met. They shared the testimony, and we had a real good time in God. But then I asked one day, being a new convert, Agape, what's that? And it says... So I thought, I'll have a read up on it myself. And people told me, it's unselfish, sacrificial giving or charity. It's God-given. It's a gift from above. It's a deep, deep love, such as manifested by Jesus Christ when he died upon Calvary's cruel cross. And this is the sort of love we're going to talk about tonight. Not for long, because anyone who knows me knows I can go on forever. But not tonight, trust me. Hallelujah, it's a Sunday night. And... By now, we're probably wondering what's going to happen next week in work, home, wherever we find ourselves. But praise God, tonight we're going to consider the love of God as revealed through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be flitting from scripture to scripture. I was challenged by this the other day because I met an old friend of my mother's, a very old friend of my mother's, over 90 in fact. And she said to me, the most striking thing, the experience that you've had in the last couple of months was the love that had been shown to her by Christians. And it really encouraged me. And I thought, yeah, the love we have, do we manifest it? Do we show it in our own lives, in our own witness? But she was a real encouragement to me, this lady. So when I went home, the first thing I did was get out my King James Concordance and have a look at the amount of times that love is mentioned in the Scriptures. Man, it's not hundreds, it's thousands. Hallelujah. But it covers all aspects of love. But tonight, it's the love of God that we look at. Romans 5 verse 8 said, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were had nothing to do, had no thought of God, didn't even give God consideration in our life, Jesus Christ died for us. I'd never even thought about God before I got saved. 
I glanced, but I'd never in depth thought about God. But while I was still lost in my trespasses and sin, Jesus Christ had died so that I would have salvation, so that I would be here tonight. And I praise him for it. It's more than just a feeling, this love. It's a reality. It's almost at times, I feel, I wouldn't say tangible, but God's love is so real in my life since Jesus Christ came in. The realisation that someone loved me so much before I even knew them, that they laid down their life for me. Oh, what a salvation. So where did this love come from? It was born. We all know the story from a very young age. The story of Jesus' birth. That's where it came from. The love that we can experience through Christ tonight. It was born. It was born of Jesus, God's only Son. Romans 8 verse 39 says, No height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the Lord our God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Despite everything else that might come against us, And I was joking before about what tomorrow might bring. But we know tomorrow is going to bring a variety of problems, difficulties, trials, tribulations, good things, bad things. And such is the way of life. But there is nothing going to separate us as Christians for those who love the Lord from the love of God revealed through Christ. Nothing can separate. I remember years ago, what was it, Larry Norman used to, in one of his songs, they can take away my house. They can take away my home. They can take away my Ford, but they can't take away the Lord. And yeah, it's so real. We can take anything away. We can strip everything away from us as individuals. But one thing they cannot take is the joy of our salvation, the reality, the love of God through us, that God has given to us through his Son. And our life should reflect this. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Well, I can look at a few of them things and think, ooh, am I long-suffering? Am I patient? Do I get aggravated when things don't go my way? I think Pastor was saying before about, oh, was it this morning, that when you're driving, you get to a set of lights and the lights turn and your first thing you want to do is you're bumping on the steering wheel because you want to get going. And we're all prone to hiccups along life's way. But the beautiful thing is, the love of God never changes. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word remains forever. Praise his holy name. Yeah. How do we love? By accepting God's gift. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for a friend, for his friends. We saw that in the reality of what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary's cross. He died. He died while you, while I, were in our trespassing sins. Doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, we've all got to come to a point in our life where we need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. How do we do this? By loving God. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Do we actually do this? 
Give every fabric of our being to our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. He demands not part of us, but he demands all of us. By giving of ourselves, if we really give ourselves over to God, look what Jesus said to his disciples. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the demons. Freely, freely you've received. This is the power and the reality of the living God in working in people's lives. You can turn on the internet now, it's wonderful. You can stream meetings from around the world and you can see people getting saved. You can see people getting healed. You can see people getting delivered. And you can be in your living room in, within five minutes of getting in from the meeting tonight. We can see all this. All over the world the gospel's being preached to every creature. And these signs are following those that believe. This is the sort of real relationship that we can have with God. A God that heals, a God that delivers, a God that sets free. Goodness knows when Jesus Christ met me, even at a young age, there were things that I needed to be set free. And he set me free for all eternity. Praise his holy name. It's not by words, but by deeds as well. Luke 6 verse 31 says, Just as you want men to do to you, you also should do to them likewise. It's difficult when someone grieves you, when someone says something against you, or somebody you don't get on with, say, within family or within the circle of friends. But we're supposed to live by the example that was set for us by Jesus Christ. And that means that we do to others, I like the older way of describing it, as we would have them to do unto us. Yeah, you know, are we going to turn around and fight evil with evil, or are we going to fight evil with good? Because if we fight evil with evil, we know where that ends up. This is why we have so much turmoil in the world today. But if we were actually to withdraw when people come against us, or people face against us, or say things about us, and withdraw, think about it, pray about it, and then be the better person. And being the better person is do to others as you like as you'd like them to do unto you. Next point is what is the result of love? Romans five verse five and I love this. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hallelujah. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out. In our hearts. What's the result? If we're truly children of a living God. People will know by looking at us. And they will see. Coming out from within within us. The love of God. That doesn't mean. We're not going to have. As I said earlier. Hiccups along the route. That we're not going to have problems. That will seem insurmountable. But what it does mean is. That within our hearts. We have this assurance. That no matter what happens to us. No matter what comes against us, as children of a living God with the love of God in our hearts, we are going to triumph. And you know, we might always feel like it. You might feel like it. I sometimes don't, especially when I get up for work on a Monday morning, having had a three-day break away from work, and thinking I've got 40 hours, and we're going to get through this. But we are blessed. I'm blessed because I can actually get up and go to work, because I do have a job. Might be a bit of a bind. But I am actually blessed. When I look further 
into things. I am encouraged. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring all this, or bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out of you such a blessing that there will be no room enough to receive it. Now you might feel like it, but what that tells me is that despite how I feel as I get up and go to work tomorrow, as I drag myself to 200 yards from our house to where I work and think, oh, I've got nine, ten hours in here today. Well, hallelujah, God's blessing me. God's already pouring down a blessing upon me. Because as I've been obedient to him, his word declares for me that he will pour down from the windows of heaven a blessing upon me. And God wants to pour down a blessing on every single one of us. There's no exceptions. Young, old, male, female, Christian, and even non-Christian. God wants you to pour down a blessing upon you. If you're a non-Christian tonight, God wants you to become a Christian and then you can really experience the blessings that he's got for you. It's important that God's will is done. We pray in Matthew 6 verse 10 as we did tonight. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now God's will tonight is that no man should perish, no woman should perish, no child should perish, but that everyone should come to salvation through trust and belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're not called upon the name of the Lord and been saved, now is the time to call upon the name of the Lord. John 3.17 is quite clear. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. People say this, oh God, if God's showering down condemnation on the world. No, he isn't. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But he sent him that the world through him might be saved. That ultimately people might come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Saviour. And now is the appointed time. Not in a week's time, not in a month's time. Because I don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You certainly don't know what next week brings. So now is the appointed time. So a couple of questions. Where do you stand tonight? Is the love of God in your heart? Do you really know Jesus? And really, do you want to know Jesus? It's not complicated. It's not difficult. I met Jesus Christ walking through the centre of Lime Street, as the majority of you will have heard, over four decades ago. At that moment in time, I realised I needed something in my life that this world wasn't given, and that was Jesus Christ. I called upon the name of the Lord to save me. I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know I was getting into church, but I knew that my life was taking me to hell. And I knew, based on what I'd heard, that Jesus would take me to heaven one day. And I called upon the name of the Lord, and I got saved. It's transformed my life. I wouldn't say in some areas it took a lot of time. But ultimately, God shaped me over 40 years into the person he wants me to be. And he will continue to shape me tomorrow, to shape me next year, to shape me next month, 
That is the will of God. I am saved. I was saved 40 years ago. I am saved today. I will be saved tomorrow. Such is the reality of my God. He will continually protect me. He will continually care for me. So whatever our needs are in our life, the promise of God is, my God should supply all your needs, all my needs, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is a God who when Jesus was talking, was talking about houses. And he was talking about, there's many houses, but there's many mansions. This is a God who has cattle on a thousand hills. This is the sort of God we say, there is nothing that God cannot do. And sometimes I think as Christians, we lose sight of this. The reality is that there is nothing that God cannot do. I remember it was we were praying eight, nine days ago now for our daughter-in-law. She wasn't very well with the delivery of this child. And gosh, we prayed. And I don't think Pam and I have prayed as seriously as that for ages. Because it really was quite distressing. But we prayed. And then over the next three or four days, we saw the change that God had made in their life. That the healing had begun. And the healing was continuing. Till now she's at a point where I would think she's probably 90% back to normal health. Yet she needed blood transfusions. She needed the expertise of surgeons. But God is good. Yeah, and sometimes we wait until it's last gasp to call upon God. Now the beautiful thing about this is, and I hope they don't mind me talking about this, is the flow and palm decided they were going to pray for Matthew when they lost the baby last year, Matthew and Christina. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed all the way through until they got pregnant. Then they prayed all the way through until the baby was born. And they're still praying now. And prayer changes things. And yet, we're so surprised by that. But what a mighty God we save. A God who's victorious. A God who's to whom the impossible is possible every moment of every hour of every day. And all he asks is that we demand... Well, he doesn't ask. He doesn't demand. All he says is, place your trust in me. Anyway, I digress. Romans 10, verses 12 to 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to ask a serious question tonight to everyone in the room. Has everyone in this room called upon the name of the Lord? And has everyone in this room been saved? Or don't you know what I'm talking about? Serious question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Saviour. It's not complicated. The word of God declares to us in John 28, 10 verse 28, and I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them from out of my hand. That's to anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. You remember... Jesus in Luke 10, verses 17 to 20. I'm going to read this out. Then the 70 who Jesus had sent out to minister, and he'd given authority to by his power, the power of the Spirit. So, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us in thy name. 
gosh, they were coming back, they said 70, enthusing about the power they'd been given by Jesus to go out, to minister to people, to touch people, to see them get healed, to see them get delivered, to see them get free out of demons. Hallelujah. Such was the power of God. Such was the anointing that these people had in their life. So when they came back to Jesus, the first thing they were going to do is enthuse and say, yeah, look what I've done. In your name, I've done this. In your name, the demons are subjected to me. We read on. And he said unto them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus was confirming the authority and the power that these servants he had in him. Hallelujah. He acknowledged that. Pick up on you, drink any deadly thing, it's not going to harm them. Stamp on scorpions, stamp on serpents. Man, crazy, I tell you what, I've seen some of these snake handling meetings they have in certain parts of America. I wouldn't fancy that, but praise God, they must have wonderful faith, some of those people. But I don't know whether I could quite go that far and trust God for that. But these people, these 70 went out, ordinary everyday people, just like you and me. Shepherds, farmers, tax collectors, I don't know what the their occupations were, but they were just ordinary everyday people that God had called to follow Jesus and they'd gone out in the anointing of God and the wonders and signs that followed them was amazing. But, but, although Jesus acknowledged that, that the power that God had given them the authority to do that, he said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And the most important thing for any one of us today in this room is that our names are written in that Lamb's Book of Life. That we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. It's throughout the whole of the scripture. It's not just John. It's not just Revelation. 2 Samuel 22 verse 4 says, I will call upon the name of the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. We wrestle not against flesh and blood tonight, but against powers and principalities. The rulers of this earth, spiritual wickedness, corruption, it's all over the world. But greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. So John 10 verse 9 says, purely and simply, in the words of Jesus, and I close with this. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. My question to you as I close this sermon tonight is, are you saved? Have you entered by the door? Have you have found Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour tonight? If not, now is the hour of salvation. Now is the time to call upon the Lord and be saved. And for those of us who've wandered and gone astray in days gone by and somehow struggle at times with God, he's saying to you tonight as well, now is the hour for you to return to your first love. Because you are God's first love. I am God's first love. He first loved us and he would say to us, now is the hour of salvation. Amen.